And welcome on in to the latest edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. He is George Bremer. I am Ryan Hickey. Back for the third time this week. George, don't let anyone ever tell you there is such a thing as an offseason in the NFL. This week, if anything, should hammer that home. This is a big week, George, because today's we're recording this on Wednesday. It was the final media session for OTAs. The uh, optional period for uh, Colts players is wrapping up this week. Mandatory minicamp is next week. So the end of the offseason is rapidly approaching. And now we're seeing the end of voluntary workouts. And also today was a big day, George, because today was the first day coaches and players were made available after the big time news of Isaiah Rogers being investigated by the NFL for placing at least 100 bets, some including the Colts. So you were out. At practice today, George, you're able to talk to a few players and Shane Steichen. What were they saying? What was kind of the the message, especially after this, I'm going to assume, shocking revelation that Isaiah Rogers got busted and is facing a big-time penalty? What was kind of the mood around the Colts today? What were they kind of saying after their uh, final OTA session? Yeah, practice was business as usual as far as that goes. You know, I think team's pretty good. Uh, every team in the league's pretty good about moving on in, in that regard. You know, go out there and get your work done. And uh, even last year when when all the, the circus was in town, I think the games and the practices were – that that's where you get away from it. That That's your sort of safe sp- space yeah. if you're a player. You know, get out there on the field and, and you can just worry about football. And then as soon as you get back in the locker room, you can worry about everything else that's going on. Shane Sykin pretty much said what we expected him to say. Uh, if you listen to the emergency pod pod on on uh, the other night, if you didn't, go check it out. Still out there. What are you Everybody doing? Yes, uh, you know, absolutely. Get get in there and and, and hear our incredible thoughts. Uh, but Shane Sykin had had nothing to say. Uh, it, it was essentially uh, investigations ongoing, and and other than that, pretty much no comment, which I think we saw coming. But EJ Speed was interesting today. Uh, basically saying, don't take the chance. It's not worth it. You know, in his mind, he's not really a gambler anyway. Uh, but his whole point was, don't even get close to the line uh, because the, you know, ultimately the 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 potential penalties here are are far worse than than any gain that, that you're probably going to get from this. Uh, I think it's probably a good way of approaching this. I think you probably see a lot of players do that. Uh, but otherwise, you know, pretty normal day out there. Uh, I think the next big thing for them will be when a decision finally comes down, you know, when the, when the investigation is finished and we know what suspension is going to be, uh, I think that's when the team's going to have to react to that. But Sykin did say he felt like, you know, in this league, when these things happen, you always just kind of have to put it behind you and move on. And he thought the players were doing a pretty good job of that so far. Shane Sykin giving you nothing. I'm shocked, George. No answers Stop. whatsoever. I am totally shocked. So I'm gonna I'm gonna assume the answer is no, but I'm gonna ask the question anyway. Was there any sort of timeline given of when the Colts expect a decision to be made? No. The only thing that I think has kind of been gleaned in the last couple of days that we didn't know when we did the emergency pod is it does sound like the team really just found out about this recently. I don't know if it was at the hmm. same time everybody else did when the reports came out, but it sounds like they didn't know back in April. You know, when we had speculated maybe when they drafted these corners, they had that in mind. It does not sound like that was the case. That was just because they were already thin at that position, which is why nobody really looked at it sideways when it happened. Um, but it, it doesn't look like it's something that they've known for a while. So that's it's new information that, that we didn't have the last time we had a problem. 
And I think EJ Speed is like just we're not going to obviously rehash a lot of what we did. So again, if you missed it, the emergency pod uh, we did on Monday night after Isaiah Rogers, it was put out there and he confirmed to himself with basically an apology that he has been investigated or being investigated, I should say, uh, for gambling on games, including Colts games. I think EJ Speed is right. It's like one of those things, George, where I like NFL players right now, the rules are you can't gamble inside the facility. And you can't gamble on any NFL game, especially your own. You are allowed to gamble on college football, on the NBA, on baseball, but from the luxury of your own home or not anywhere on the practice field, in the facility, in the hotel room, you know, if you're traveling for an away game, basically any team sanctioned area, you can't gamble on. But if you're at, you know, at home, you can do it. But I think EJ Speed is right in the sense, like, I just don't, especially if you're a player, don't see really the end goal or being a positive. First of all, like you look at the sharps, George, the best people that gamble are at 57%, barely eclipsing, you know, getting some money back. So like even the the pros that do this are barely, you know, scratching the surface in terms of getting more right than wrong. Most people lose. So it's like just a, a losing proposition, number one. And two, with Isaiah Rogers' situation, it's going to cost him a lot more than just a few dollars loss on a bet. It's going to maybe cost him a career, bare minimum millions of dollars and it's one of those things where it should be kind of viewed as like as almost like steroids like when players get busted for steroids now right in any sport what's usually the first thing they say oh i had no idea it was in a supplement i was taking i I promise this was just i I swear i had no idea it was in there but the, the reason why that excuse never holds up anymore george is because getting an answer is simple hey i'm taking this new supplement look at these ingredients is it is there anything on the ban list or am i good to take it before you take it and you get your answer and either, you know, you come back, the team usually does it, say, good to go, or hey, no, here's an alternative. It's the same thing with gambling. If you have any doubt, George, it's simple as, oh, am I allowed to bet on NFL games if it's not my own team? Maybe before I do it, I should ask someone just in case, because if you see Calvin Ridley and the year-long suspension he got, I don't want that to happen to me. So I'm just going to double check if I have to gamble and I really want to put my money and make, you know, earn an extra side, whatever, earn some extra money on the side. I really got to gamble. Let's just make sure I'm doing it right. Like that's, it's as simple as it is, but I think EJ speed, George nailed on the head. It's just not worth it. It's an, as you, when you're an active player, it's just, I think at this point, not worth running the risk whatsoever. No, I mean, if you want to bet, you know, if Ryan Kelly and, uh, Sam Ellinger want to bet on the Texas Alabama game last year, that's fine. You can do that. You know, one of you buys the other one dinner or whatever. That's not the extent of it. If I'm a player, that that's probably where it ends right there. I'll bet on my alma mater, defend them in the locker room. Uh, beyond that, nothing else really seems like you're going to get any kind of benefit out of it. Uh, one thing that I think we were talking about before we we started to record, you know, uh, Kevin Bowen and, and Jake Query do a great job here on the local radio. They had Zaire Smith on the other day, or Zaire Franklin on the other day. Uh, Zaire said, basically, there's – don't know what a sports book is and we had evidence of that today in front of us i mean zach moss came up there and, and basically said i don't really care about the rules because i i don't really know enough about gambling it's not a hobby it's not something i'm going to run afoul of kylan granted is something very similar um that you know it's really not something that they that they're really well versed in and i think that there's a possibility that isaiah rogers got caught up here on a, on a phone app uh, and maybe didn't realize the full extent of the rules that he was breaking. But as you just said with the, with the steroid guys, it doesn't matter. It's no excuse. Call your agent. 
if there's any question at all, if it's anywhere near an, an area that you might not be needing to dip your toes in, call your agent. Hey, I've got this app. I was going to bet on on the NFL games. Should I do that? And even if even if you take that at face value, I, you know, even if that's the defense that that eventually comes out, don't do it in the facility. Don't bet on league games and don't bet on your own team. There's just so many things here that are going to pile up on him. And look, on the one hand, you feel bad for a guy who the, the penalty is going to be so severe. And I get it. You look at Deshaun Watkins, Watson, what's going on over there. That's a much more serious offense. And he's playing and everything's fine. That's life. That's the way it is. I can be speeding. I'm going 70 and a 60 and I get pulled over. The guy that flew by me at 90 is still going. That's life. That's what happens. I think the severity here, part of me, I said it on, on the emergency pod. There's, there's, there's a heartbreaking aspect here that a guy's career could be over or certainly stalled at the very least, uh, you know, over what's just a dumb mistake. But at the end of the day, like you said, the information's available. Ask somebody, make sure what you're doing is okay before you do it. You've already seen evidence, again, of, of players getting severely punished or a player getting severely punished. And it's not like one of these third-string guys where it's okay, you write him off, he's a year-long suspension, it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. Calvin Ridley's a big name. So it's not like one of those things where it's, oh, wow, like, you know, that, that message doesn't get home. It should get, you know, driven home to anyone with any sort of doubt. And like you said, George, before, even if you really think, okay, on my phone, Maybe it's different than me walking into a casino or walking to Vegas and putting a $100 bet on the Colts. It's on my phone. It's different. Again, especially in this case, it's always better to ask for permission than it is for forgiveness. So The opposite of that saying works a lot in life, right? It's better to kind of break the rules and try to apologize instead of getting shut down right away. In this case, George, that is not the way you should operate. Asking for forgiveness after the fact does not work because we've seen with the NFL, they don't care. And they will suspend you. They they don't care about your sob story. They don't care that you thought it was it was innocent. They will lay down the hammer. And I thought you made a great point the other night on the emergency pod of the fact that we could see so far the precedent is one year. Right? If you're betting on NFL games, it's one year. That was Calvin Ridley. The other Lions players that, uh, that were or are being suspended six games uh, that came out about a month ago. They were betting on college football, but betting in the facility. That's why they got in trouble, but not on NFL games. That's why this, the penalty is less severe. But you look at the case of Isaiah Rogers right now. He was betting on NFL games, betting on the Colts. And I didn't see this, but you've said it, so I think it's true. He was in the facility for different bets as well. Three-headed monster. I mean, if the NFL wants to come down hard, George, like you mentioned before, I think it's a great point. They could say one year for betting in the facility, one year for betting on NFL games, one year for betting on your team, three strikes, Either you're out or three years and basically ending his career the way we could see an unprecedented punishment come down because we've never seen a player bet on his own team and bet on the game he is playing in. Right. It could be That's it could different. be catastrophic for his career going forward whenever we do find out the official punishment from the NFL and whenever they do confirm and right now it's an investigation, whenever they do confirm that. It was Isaiah and everything that is being right now speculated is true. Yeah. If, if this investigation confirms the reports, I would expect it to be an unprecedented punishment. Whatever it is, I don't know. If it's two years, if it's a year and a half, it's going to be longer than Ridley got, I would imagine. Now, that too, I mean, you're always got to be careful with the NFL. 
you're always flipping a coin when we're talking about punishments. But you just logic tells you it's going to be longer than than anything we've seen before for one of these offenses because it goes further than than any of these other offenses. And it is it's heartbreaking to see a guy you know in jeopardy um, over what's at the end of the day just a really dumb decision. But that happens in life, you know. It, you see it all the time. Um, I I hate to, that we even have to talk about it. To be honest, I hate that it's even a topic. Um, but that's that's where we are. Um, I do think, you know, spinning it towards the, the football side of things, it's going to be interesting to see what the Colts do, you know, in that defensive secondary. But I also think, look, Rogers is a really popular guy, especially on social media. For one thing, he's a great kid. It's fun to be around. His personality, I think, comes through. He's well-liked by people who follow this team closely. I and mean, there are a lot of folks, um, you know, have a positive opinion of him because of the way he plays and, and the person that he is. But – we don't know. He was, he was going to be in line to be a starter this year. We don't know what that was going to look like. You know, it, it, it was a huge opportunity for him. It would have been fun to watch that play out, see how he grew and, and how it worked out. But this isn't Stephon Gilmore trade all over again. This isn't a situation where you're losing an absolutely proven commodity. And that's why I think it's okay if the team goes with the younger guys and, and takes that look at him. First of all, the expectations for this season are not, very high right now. I think that's pretty, pretty safe to say. You're not, you're not talking Super Bowl around here right now, uh, to say the least. Um, but secondly, you know, I, I think in a lot of positions this year, they seem to be taking the approach of let's let's get guys out there that we believe in, that we have, that we think have talent. Let them make their mistakes and see. Basically, put deposits in the bank. See if this pays off for us down the road. I'm a million percent with you because again, we've said it a bunch, so I'm going to hammer it home again here. The the record for the Colts in 2023 does not matter. And that's mostly the case because of Anthony Richardson. But you look in the secondary, outside of Kenny Moore, especially a defensive back like corner, they are extremely inexperienced, extremely young. And that's also why it kind of the timing is it lines up perfectly. Let them make mistakes. Right? There's no reason to get a free agent corner come in here for a year or so and then have them leave to sign somewhere else. Because what does that actually do? Like, now is a perfect time, whether Isaiah Rodgers is going to play or not, you got to use both those outside corner spots to hopefully, you, you fingers crossed, find at least one guy, but you hope two or three that could be here for the long haul. And as the Colts start to get competitive two, three, four years, like, those are some of the mainstay corner pieces on your defense or cornerstone guys in your defense, I should say. And that's why, like I said, especially, and we'll get to, like, the depth chart here in a second of who was kind of replacing Isaiah Rodgers at OTAs today. But it's one of those things where you look at, obviously, some of the rookies right now are banged up. Juju Brandt's not been out there, but that's a guy you expect to get a lot of run this year. And good, rightfully so. Let him try to see what he can do, get his toes wet. Dallas Flowers, a guy that's going to have to, you know, get a chance to earn it. Tony Brown, earn it. And again, if they stink, okay, like, it, like that's fine. Like, that, that's okay because, again, it does not matter if this team wins three games, Seven games, like, it's all the same. And so use use this kind of testing year, basically, maybe the best way I could put it, as a chance to kind of see what you got with the young guys. Getting a stopgap, a one-year guy just to come in, eat up a lot of snaps, but then is going to leave in a year or so and go somewhere else. Literally, George shows you no good. No good whatsoever. So now that, I mean, we're going to assume, right, bare minimum, Isaiah Rogers is not going to play in 2023. So that's starting spot right Bearman that starting spot now is going to be gone and up for grabs and I don't it should be fought for guys on the roster 
Colts, what, drafted three, right, defensive backs in this past draft. Let him fight for it. Maybe, again, another second, third-year guy in Dallas Flowers. Let him earn it, too. But there should be no, I think, I would say outside help, especially outside veteran uh, veteran help coming on in because I don't really see how that benefits the Colts moving forward here because this, this year especially is about who can stay on for the future versus who kind of got to offload it and kind of retool a few positions. If they want to make a signing similar to the Rashad Perryman signing, I might listen to that. Bring somebody in uh, to to have the same impact in the cornerback group that he's having on the wide receivers. Make that person earn that last spot, but also be a guy who could impart some of that wisdom. But I think it's so important to me. I I really would not want to see these young guys losing a lot of snaps right now. I think that's what it comes down to. I think that's the bottom line. Julius Brents is probably going to get. I, it looks like he's going to be a starter. He doesn't right. just completely collapse. You know, I think they, they drafted him for a reason in the second round. Uh, his size, his athletic profile, he fits this defense really well. Um, I think the, the expectation all along was that, that he would probably be a starter in this defense. And then beyond that, whether it's Dallas Flowers, whether it's a guy like Daryl Baker, whether it's Darius Rush who's injured right now as well, um, just great opportunity for those guys. And let them, like you said, let them compete. Let them go through training camp. Uh, let them earn that spot, and then let them make their mistakes. And and you know, at the end of the day, if you end up with Marvin Harrison Jr. because of the way this season went, it's a victory all the way around. I, that's a great point. I'm with you. I'm totally with you. And two, especially we see a corner two. That's one of the positions that's really tough to adjust from from college to the NFL. And we see guys like the learning curve uh, curve is a lot steeper. Um, especially when you talk about just the level of talent you got to guard now and playing corner is basically impossible. Anyway, George, honestly, I don't know why any kid decides, oh yeah, let me go play defense where the rules are against me, where all the money's on the offensive side. Anyway, let me go try to shut these guys down. I give a lot of credit to guys who want to play defense in general. I don't, I wouldn't have done it, but to play maybe arguably the hardest position, uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Like just let them kind of like I said get their lumps because if the Colts have the fifth worst secondary this year, what like honestly, what does it truly matter? And they get their lumps out and can learn now going forward. And again, kind of like Anthony Richardson, you hope kind of after a rough year, kind of again, just slowly improve each year and slowly build. That's exactly what you're looking for. So you look at guys like to credit to Destin Adams, put this list out there of notable free agents. You guys look at some big names, Byron Jones. Marcus Peters, Casey Hayward, Fabian Moreau, Eli Apple. I bet 85% of fans listening to this right now have heard at least one of the two of those guys. They're popular household names. But with that said, they would do nothing to help this team going forward. They would eat up a roster spot. They would eat up a starting spot, play here for a year, leave, because by the time the Colts are trying to get competitive in two or three, four years, they won't be on the roster. And if anything, they'll stunt the growth of these young corners on the team that are all trying to get some playing time. Speaking of which, George, since you're at practice today, who was kind of taking over Isaiah's reps and who was kind of was, I know it's OTA, so still a long yeah. way to go, but at least to kind of get an idea. Um, and with Brent's out as well, it's kind of a mishmash, but who's kind of getting a lot of burn today? It's been a mishmash every every time we've been out there because Brent's obviously hasn't been working the whole year. And, and really Rogers wasn't out there much, um, at least not that we can recall, even, even before this happened. So, um, you know, looking out there today, you had Dallas Flowers on the field. You had Daryl Baker okay. on the field. Uh, they were getting a lot of run, you know, with that first team. But again, Prince is going to factor into this. Darius Rush is going to factor into this. I, I think 
Tony Brown's an interesting case here because he, I think people go to his name a lot because of the, he's the most experienced guy after Kenny Moore in that group. But I think he's really, I think they like him in that, that backup nickel spot. It was just an important position okay. on this team too. Um, and so I'm not sure, I'm not sure how that'll work. I would expect in the base defense, you'll probably see Kenny Moore and, and Juju Brents mostly. Uh, and then when they go into nickel, which they're going to be in more often than the base, it's right. today's NFL. They're probably being dime more often than they'll be in the base for that matter. Um, then you're going to see whoever that that third guy is. But to me, if that's a competition between Baker and Rush and uh, Flowers, there's nothing wrong with that. Let those guys, like you said, let them earn it and let them make their mistakes. And if if they end up growing out of this, we've said all year long, if this team's better in December or the two games they'll play in January than they were in September, no matter what the record was, it's probably a win. It's, it's a step one. forward. If you feel like you've got guys at that position who you can count on moving forward, and the only way you're going to find that out is get them out there and play. Looking at that list, I mean, the guy that stands out right away is, is Hayward because he's been in Gus Bradley's defense before and he, he's got some experience. But he's another guy at his age, probably more of a slot guy. I don't know if you're going to want him on the outside a lot. So I think that's – I'm taking him right off the top because he does have that experience – probably go down that list and it's the same way every way there's, there's something probably very quickly yeah but or they wouldn't still be available right now true uh and, and so why not go with the young guys see what you've got learn what they can do yeah you're gonna take some lumps but that's gonna be happening a lot of places on the field right now and you know i, I just think it's one of those situations where if you've got the right guys and they get through it uh down the road it, it could really pay off that's the thing right if it if they stink this year and it's we're seeing just the secondary get torched, but come 2024, 2025, they've learned, they've grown together. And now all of a sudden the Colts have a really experienced up and coming secondary. 2023 is worth it, George. And that's like, I could not agree more, which is why we keep on talking about the record in 2023, not mattering whatsoever. I think you're right. If they're playing better ball in December and January than they were September, that's, that's the biggest win of the season without a doubt. And obviously a big part of them playing better in December and January is going to be due to, of course, Anthony Richardson, who George had a rough, inconsistent practice today. But I do think that's a good thing. I think that's a good thing. Explain why first, or I should say after, but I want to hear your thoughts first since you, again, with your own eyes, were able to be there practice today and see it. What did you like from Richardson? And where are the areas that you saw him kind of struggle in and have some lows? Yeah, well, I mean, one thing, you know, we talk about watching the drills, you know, before they get going, the ones that keep ending up on on Twitter and, and going viral. There's an absolute climb that we've seen there from rookie minute camp now. Um, he was hitting the net again on, on the drill. It was in the middle. It wasn't on the, the edge like it was. Uh, but he was one for two on that the same drill that, that went viral this last time. And then they've, they've got the one that got me was they've got this giant. I think I talked about before. It's almost like a chimney net that they're throwing longer balls into. It's, it's, it's elevated. And so it's oh. almost looks like a chimney. There's a circular opening and the net goes all the way down to the ground. And so you're throwing from deeper back and it's a higher target. And the first couple of weeks we saw him, he was really struggling with that. He was mad at himself, too. He was getting angry and trying to get after it. Every week's been more and more dialed in. Today, the first one hit the outer rim, which is almost harder than making it, and knocked the whole net so it, it flipped backwards. 
And then after that, right in. And I just think you're seeing more and more in that. So he's obviously coming along in a lot of fundamentals, which is important. The pass he had to Brashad Berriman in Perryman in uh seven on seven, probably the best throw he's had out of practice we've been at. Uh, it was a deep ball. Steichen kind of talked about it. Someone asked him about it in the uh in between the gambling questions after practice. He was near the sideline. He had to throw it over a defender, which was Nick Cross. Uh, Perriman made a nice catch right at the sideline. It would have been a 60-plus yard touchdown. might have been 70. Hard to tell where they're at from our angle, but they were definitely inside their own 40. Um, whether it was 35 or 30, I can't tell you. But it, it was as long as 70, definitely over 60, exactly where the ball needed to be. And I think we've seen that with him on a deep ball. It's on his tape. Uh, but that was – that was the best throw he's made that we've seen live. Now, granted, we've seen a third of his, his throws, so you know, there's a lot missing here. But then they get in that team drill, and I love these two-minute drills. For one thing, you know, one of the things I've been asking myself a lot of this offseason is, what did I miss last year? Why were we still so high on this team? What was going on that, that should have been a red you know, red flag mm-hmm. uh, that maybe was overlooked? One of the things that really stuck out to me these two-minute drives, which Steichen seems to do at the end of every practice, which I think is good. At least everyone we've been at. Again, one-third of them. But, you know, everyone we've been at, it's ended with a two-minute drive. Anytime the ball was moving in a live situation, whether it was two-minute drill or they were just doing a regular drive, I can't remember the offense going to touch them. I can't remember them finishing those drives off. There were a few field goals. There were a couple of punts. There was turnover here and there. But I cannot remember them completing it. So – I think these drives are important in in that kind of mind because it certainly played out that way during the regular season. You know, you saw the inconsistency from the offense when we finally got there. Yeah. It's not a full game. It's taking one drive. If I pulled one drive out of any game, I could probably find a bad one. And, and you know, so that you got to take that. All of this needs context. But I do like those two-minute drills. There's a little bit of pressure. They're, the clock's running. They're calling timeouts. There's obviously not live hitting. He's not facing a live pass rush. But, again, they move down the field pretty well. And then this time, last last week, it stalled inside the 20. This time, it started to stall when they got past the 50, around the 30 or so. I think he was three of his first four on that drive, uh, or at least two of his first three. Ends up being three of seven. Uh, two of them should have been intercepted, and they were in Tony Brown's hands. He just couldn't hold on to it. The last one in the end zone in particular, um, we thought it was intercepted, and he just came up and didn't have the ball. But – that's a learning process. It's part of, you know, and I think especially the red zone where I've been told he's been, that's where he's had his most uh, challenges right now. Um, and, and from the two times we've seen him, it's it's where he's had his most challenges. I would expect that to be the case for any rookie, honestly. And then also in that red zone area, you don't have Jonathan Taylor right now. He's not even on a field. Even if he was, you're not running the ball. It's not going to be a realistic situation. And you're not using his running ability. That last play was fourth and two at the four. There's probably a good chance his legs are going to get involved in a regular season game. But now you want to see what he can do and, you know, forced one in there and and paid a price. That's part of the growing process, I think, for a rookie. That's something that we're going to see uh, from him during the season. And I think it's good for him to go through those things now. So you just highlighted – the best pass he's thrown so far in, in the offseason, that's 65-70 yarder um, down the field to brand-new receiver Brashad Perryman. And then, again, now the second practice in a row that you've been able to see where the red zone, especially kind of 
on in enemy territory or opponent territory where the offense kind of starts to screech to a halt. And that's where, again, he's making some tough decisions, some inaccuracies as well. And I think those, in a weird way, it's good that he's struggling now because it almost, again, reinforces what fans should expect this season. And I think part of last year, I think you just hit on the head too, part of last year was you hear Matt Ryan's leadership abilities. You hear Matt Ryan barking at players and tell them to be in the right spot. And it was a lot of positivity. Then all of a sudden the season came and it's like, this offense sucks. Like they can't move the ball. They can't block anybody. And just a good reminder of, well, yes, some of the virals can, uh, some of the videos can go viral of Anthony Richardson hitting good targets and making 70 yard passes down the field. The reality is it's, you got to remember, there's a reason why he fell to four. And there's a reason why there's even a debate in the Colts room of whether he should be taken or not. Like, we've had it on the pod. Should they take Anthony Richardson, kind of him, Will Levis, him versus CJ Stroud, him versus Bryce Young, in part because inconsistency. And that's what you're going to get. It's not going to be pretty whatsoever. And you know what, George, too? It's also not going to be one of those things where in year one, it's going to be um, building off each other in a um, – uh, uh, you got to help me out here. Sorry. You're the wordsmith. Going um, – <laughs> Linear, linear. It's not going to be in a linear direction where he's going to be better in game two than he was in game one and game three compared to game two. He could ball out and have an insane opener against the Jaguars. And then he could easily stink up the joint in week two against the Texans. Like it's going to be, I think, a roller coaster up and down all season long. And I think just in this small sample size of one OTA practice here in early June kind of showed you that. He can absolutely drop a dime 70 yards down the field. Also struggle in the red zone with some tighter window throws and be up and down. It's just a good reminder of what to expect, especially in year number one. And it's a reminder that it's okay. That's like, this is the Colts drafted him knowing this is going to be the case. I think it almost helps to kind of reinforce a little bit. Um, so fans don't get too crazy. Reinforce what to expect for the season where hopefully it's exciting. Hopefully it's more good than bad, but there's going to be a lot of up and down. What was our uh, motto for the pod? Manage expectations. Manage expectations. Subtitle the the pod this year, the Blue Horseshoe Pod. Manage expectations. That that's where you're at. And and but Minshew struggled in the red zone today too. And he was really mad at himself because he bought a little bit of time and had a wide open Ashton Doolin and, and just threw the ball in the dirt. It was just he didn't get it. Didn't get enough on it, and he knew it. You know, he was banging himself in the helmet on the coming off the field. He understood what had happened, but it. Point is, four-year veteran missed too, so it's not not the end of the world here in in June. Uh, Richardson did have a shot in the end zone that was low as well. He threw one low. It's tight window. It wasn't as egregious as as the one that Minshew had thrown, but he he missed a shot at, at a touchdown as well. There uh, was that happened last week. He got the ball there late. I think again that that's part of this process. We, we talked about it before. The biggest thing he's missing is experience. And today he gained experience. Right. He, he saw some looks, he had some ideas, maybe learned not to force a ball against Tony Brown. You know, there's things that that you can work on moving forward. Um, the one thing in both those red zone drives that I think was was apparent that I think you can take away uh, last week and this week is getting down the field initially, a lot of short and intermediate throws that he was hitting on. And that's something we were really worried about coming in so again not live uh you know the receivers aren't really they're not getting that physical with them there's coverage but you're not as physical as you would be uh with pads on obviously when you run around out there with shorts on and he's not facing a pass rush 
uh, not a legitimate one at this point. You know, that he knows he can't get hit. If nothing else, that's in the back of his mind. Um, but also, you're not seeing his full skill set yet because he's not running um, because he's wearing the red jersey. And it's kind of cheating when, when the quarterback takes <laughs> off, which Vince, you did uh, have a big gain during his drive on a long run. And, and EJ Speed kind of had a funny answer about that after practice. You know, like, hey, if that was live, I, I, I was going to walk him down. <laughs> That's, yeah, it's easy to scramble in, a, in an 11 on 11 where no one's wearing pads and you're the quarterback wearing a red jersey. I would say you could run it and get a 20 yard gain every time. One of my favorite training camp members of all time, early in, in, in Luck's career, he took off running in a drill. I think they were just outside the red zone. And Corey Redding was playing defensive end. He just yells at him, hey, 12, you got a red jersey on. You can't do that. <laughs> you know, this is a funny thing to see. Because defense, you know, these guys got to the league because they're competitive. Both sides of the ball. Oh, yeah. Offense was – you know, over on the sideline, cheering on their side, the defense gets a little angry at times out there, and, and they should. That's that's what it's about. It's fun to watch. Um, yeah, you know that that's why I like those light. The closest they get to live, anytime the ball is moving and they're respotting it after the play this time of year, I like those drills because I think there's a little bit of the juices get flown a little bit, and there's a little bit you can take away from it more than you know when it's third and five for twelve straight plays. Right. Right, or you're just throwing at a, an immovable net and doing a few footwork drills over and over and over again. Um, one thing I, I want to bring up here, George, kind of wrap up the pod. Second straight media OTA uh, where Richardson was strictly on the second team and Gardner Minshew was strictly running with the ones. No alternate uh, like we saw in the first OTA um, practice. But here is – this is tough because – it's the right thing to do. Like I'm, not, like, I'm not criticizing the Colts for being overly cautious in June. Absolutely, you should. But it is a little frustrating when you look at, especially who was available at practice today and even the first two practices as well, where, again, no Michael Pittman Jr., no Alec Pierce, no Josh Downs, no Jelani Woods. I know he was out of the mix last year, but no Alec Ogletree, especially if he can kind of – you know, develop, maybe he'll be a, another weapon this year as well. Um, so just receivers, tight ends wise, those are what, George, five? I don't know if I said Josh Downs or not. If I didn't, Josh Downs well. Five out of the maybe top six targets, five out of the top seven targets that Richardson could be thrown to this season. Again, it's the right thing to do because everyone's in a different injury spot. But it is a little frustrating. We're talking about getting... Anthony Richardson reps and getting him experience. He's getting the reps now. The only issue is he's not getting the reps with the people he'll be playing with, hopefully, week one and beyond. Yeah, and I think that's part of the reason why the the first team, second team reps are not a big deal right now. About the only thing that's changing is is the line in front of them at this point. Um, and so you throw into basically the same guys uh, because the, the receiving core is thin right now with, with the injuries. Um, but yeah, I think it's definitely, you would rather have that time with Michael Pittman where they're building the rapport and they're, they're getting it going. But at the same time, uh, we talked about it last week or the week before that he keeps making me look up numbers on receivers because it's somebody I've never heard of. Rashad Perryman's out there for the first time today and he's got a perfect bomb to him. So there's some thought that maybe Richardson doesn't need a whole ton of time with a receiver, you know, that, that he can pick that up quickly. Um, but I think it all goes hand in hand over time. I just want to experience, I guess the upshot of it for him now is if there's injuries during the year, 
he's got some guys he's comfortable with. He may have to go all the way back to June for those reps, but he's getting some guys he's comfortable with. He's thrown to before. Um, it's the, the one thing that, yeah, I got to give you credit. Shane Steichen more or less confirmed your theory, your conspiracy theory from really from the first lot this week from Monday. Um, people were asking about, you know, what do you read into the fact that then she was getting the one second straight practice and then she got all the ones and, and Richard was working with the twos and, and Steichen said, well, just the way it, the, the practices that you guys have been at. And you know, if you were here on another day, it might look a little different. So I don't, I wonder because the one practice we did see where they split, you know, again, we're not out there next week. It may, may be a better answer because we'll be there for three days. I wonder if it isn't a situation right now where one practice it's split, one practice Menchu's with the ones and the other practice Richardson's with the ones. I don't know, but perhaps that's, that's the rotation they're on right now. Well, definitely, like I said, get a better answer when mini camps here next week, you can get three straight days out there, but like, a, I'm, I'm glad we got something right, George, in the sense that it's smart. Again, if you want to kind of quell the hype a little bit, Barry Richardson with the twos, especially now when it really – you ones and twos don't matter because it's the same guys you're throwing to. Because Pittman's out, Pierce is out, Downs is out, Jelani Woods is out. So a lot of the guys you'd be repping with anyway are not even on the field. So it truly is almost irrelevant. Like I said, outside of the line you're playing in front of, which they're not blocking anyone. So really, again, that does not matter that much anyway. But just there is obviously a difference between throwing to Malik Turner and throwing to Michael Pittman Jr. So hopefully, fingers crossed, sooner or later they'll be out on the field. Obviously, Shane Sykin does not get into anything injury-wise. Is there any reason outside of just exercising extreme caution in, in early June? Is there any reason for concern you would say, George, with any of these receivers or tight ends in terms of their availability for, let's just say, training camp? Yeah, he's saying no right now. So, you know, that's all we've got to go on. Um, it's interesting because with Frank Reich, we used to joke, um, you know, everybody was always progressing. And so if he ever said somebody wasn't progressing, then it was a serious problem. The person might be dead. <laughs> sure, you know, you knew their career may be over. Uh, with <laughs> so far, everything is a little injury. You know, today, Alec Pierce has a little foot. And last week, it was a little hip for, for uh, Michael Pittman Jr. So, uh, it doesn't sound like serious right now. I think obviously with Ogletree and uh, uh, Jonathan Taylor and some of those guys coming off injury, um, you know, that's just extreme caution. That's right. that's kind of normal operating procedure around the league. I think go anywhere and, and you'll see the guys coming off of surgeries aren't on the field this time of year. Um, he said today point blank that Pierce could have practiced. That was just caution. Um, so that we know that was the case with him. It sounds like it's close to the case with Michael Pittman Jr. Um, you know, he, the other week he was out fishing after practice, so he's not in any kind of grave pain and, you know, not getting extra therapy or anything like that. But you never know. I think it's one of those things that you kind of have to wait till training camp. Guys missing in training camp is still not the end of the world, right. but it's certainly a more – there's more concern to it now than there is, you know, right now – literally a voluntary workout true true obviously trying to build chemistry is paramount but like i said also not unnecessarily pushing it in june three months away from week one like i said it is being smart but at least hopefully right now according to steichen it does look appear or does appear that nothing serious with any of these guys uh is happening which obviously for training camp and to you know get everyone kind of on the same page 
uh, as quick as possible. That's obviously a really good sign as well. Really quickly before we sign off here, George, I'll finish with this. What number did Perriman wear? What does he got? Nine. He's number nine. So uh, Ooh, just took Jacob like Eason's number, threw it right out there. You know, forgetting about his history with this team, just throw it right out. Took Nick Foles' number right off his back. Yeah, jeez. They Perryman. even have the Foles off the nameplate. I mean, jeez. Yeah, I mean, we're not in a locker room, so I can't confirm it. Those things go fast. That's one thing I learned early in this no league. Respect. Like, man, it's they're just ready to move on. Everything moves at a lightning, lightning pace. You know, the guy's been here for 20 years. The day he's retired or the day he's traded, that is gone. Name tag is out the door. Undrafted rookie. Here, here's the here's 18. Go take it. Yeah, well, not quite that, but uh, yeah, there are a few sacred numbers, 18 and 88. I haven't seen much of those. That is true. That is true. And I'm sure 87 uh, with Reggie too, uh, as well. That is uh, for sure. I do like nine though. What? One thing they watch, you know, when, when we get into training camp and, and the fans are allowed to go in there for free, I don't think they're going to still do it. One thing that's been nice so far in these practices, they've got t-shirts that they haven't had in the past. The guys who aren't proxy have T-shirts on with their names and numbers on the back. So wow. that's very helpful. From a media standpoint, I'm all for this. This is wow. a trend we want to see. Shane Steichen, media friendly. Not with answers, of course, but maybe player availability. That is for sure. Oh, One okay. more thing it's not media related, but I don't know. Maybe this is interesting. Maybe it's not. It was to me. I've never seen it before. So, you know. People probably know, if you watch Ted Lasso, you've seen this. It happens in NFL locker rooms all the time. Coaches come in, they put their little sayings up in the locker room, right? Paint the wall. Steichen's words, relentless resiliency, are in the end zones on the practice field, just like Colts would be on the record. I have not seen that before. Really? So relentless. One end zone says resiliency. Maybe it's interesting to people. Maybe it's not. Saw it today. Thought I'd throw it out there. It was very. It wasn't there earlier this year. They're now painted in the end zone. I thought that was unique, something I hadn't seen before. Interesting. Yeah, I've never heard of that. It's almost like a college gimmick in a way mm-hmm. that's just yeah. like a, to reinforce the message. Maybe training camp, we'll see that in the end zones as well when the fans kind of come out there. All right. Relentless. Something to, something to look out for. I like it. Okay. Hopefully the message is uh, is hitting home. Good for sure. There's two Steichen. more end zones we couldn't see from where we're at, so maybe they had other words, but I know the ones closest to us were – Relentless and resiliency. I bet so. Because I feel like two phrases or two words, I feel like coaches have like core pillars. I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, from the opening press conference, I think it was four pillars, mm-hmm. core pillars Steichen had. Um, don't have, please I'm don't have to the other character. I'm guessing one of the other end zones says character. And I can't remember what his other. It was relentlessness. Preparation? Uh, yeah, preparation. That's Preparation? I bet the other two end zones say character and preparation, but I have never seen that one before. They're on the wall in the locker room all the time. They're painted on there. Uh, every time there's been a head coaching change, that kind of design changes and you see whatever the new guy's emphasizing. It was a whole quote. I can't remember, but when Frank Wright came in, there was a whole quote, a long quote up there that was his hmm. kind of philosophy. So in the end zone, I thought that was unique. If preparation is one of the, you know, in the other ends, and hopefully no prankster comes in and puts an H at the end. It also got to be a small font, right? That's a big word to put big in the Big word. End zone. Well, they fit into Indianapolis in one end zone. So those are the True. experts that we do need to figure out the perfect font size to make sure those 10 plus letter words, those big bonus words can fit in the, uh, was it 53 and a half or 53 and a third wide uh, end zone? Yep. Yeah. So. so- 
new stuff, new new era out there, new guy in charge, and uh, new phrases. giant work in the end zones. So. I like it. That is a good way, George, to cap off OTAs. Very good way to end it right there. Um, why not just live schedule the show again? Peel back the curtain. Everyone in the audience, we're all we're all one here. Mini camp next week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So, George, we'll be back on Tuesday. Yep. We'll all right. Work. We will be Ready back on Tuesday. Break down the first official Shane Steichen mandatory full team practice. That's exciting. That is exciting. We'll see how much uh, improvement Anthony Richardson has from today through next week. We'll tell you all, you know, we'll see. Maybe Shaq Leonard, we'll see if he's going to venture on out there as well. But now the voluntary portions of the offseason are in the bag. Now we go ahead towards the mandatory sessions as we get closer and closer to training camp. So best way to stay up to date with everything Blue Horseshoe Pod. And in case another unexpected story does break, this is why subscribing and downloading to the Blue Horseshoe Pod is the perfect way to stay up to date. Get us on YouTube, Blue Horseshoe Pod. Get us wherever you get your podcasts. Bright blue logo, Blue Horseshoe Podcast. We will be back on Tuesday after day number one of minicamp. So make sure you stay tuned. But between now and then, have a great, great weekend. And we'll talk to you on Tuesday right here on the Blue Horseshoe Pod.